0: With gratitude, we would like to acknowledge that Foundry Ridge Meadows is on the unceded, ancestral, traditional, and territorial land of the Caetzee and Kwantlen people. All right, welcome back everybody to Peers in a Pod. My name is Connor and I'm joined here today by Charlotte Reckhammer. Charlotte, do you maybe wanna tell everybody a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about your agency?
1: Hi. Thanks, Connor, for having me today. Um, Pacific Community Resource Society Services operates in the unceded ancestral and traditional territories of the Coast Salish peoples. PCRS has been providing social services for over 38 years across BC in education, employment, housing, substance use, mental health and youth and family support services. Through partnerships with individuals, other agencies, government, and businesses, PCRS strives to achieve our mission of inspiring healthy and inclusive communities through leadership and collaboration. We are a progressive agency and our work is described as responsive, cutting-edge, and creative. We are guided in our work by our values which enable us to work with our partners in identifying gaps in service, advocate, and find innovative solutions to address complex social problems. Our ASTRA program supports youth age 13 to 24, with a primary focus on 13 to 18, who have demonstrated problems with alcohol and or drug use. Mm -hmm. The goal of the program is to use one-to-one outreach counseling to help youth towards reducing or abstaining from all problematic substance use. ASTRA counselors support youth in the Fraser Valley region, and we happen to be the only regional substance use services program. Our services are provided in six communities, including Chilliwack, Delta, Ladner, Tawasson, and and White Rock, Surrey, Langley, Cloverdale, Aldergrove, the Tri-Cities, and Maple Ridge Pit Meadows. In Astra, our youth outreach counsellors approach problematic substance use issues from a biopsychosocial perspective, recognizing that each individual may see different benefits and disadvantages to their substance use, and that change can be complex and difficult for some. Our work is informed by a Motivational Interviewing Approach, Miller and Rolnick. We work with youth based on their needs and their readiness and commitment to change. Our services can address harm reduction, use reduction and or abstinence goals. Through the completion of a comprehensive assessment, we create and co-create with the youth a service plan which is reviewed regularly to ensure the effective service and supports that are provided
0: great so thanks for telling us a bit about uh, the pcrs and astra program now how did you find your way into this line of work into helping you know youth with substance use
1: So this is a really interesting story. Um, Initially, I wanted to be a judge, like the Chief Justice of Canada. So as I was working through post-secondary stuff, I got three quarters of the way through my journey at SFU and realized that that is not what I wanted to do. Um, So went and saw the academic advisor, changed some things up, ended up leaving leaving SFU with a degree in psychology with an extended minor in criminology. So, wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do, but I knew I wanted to work with youth. So, I started my journey um, with the Maple a- Maple's Adolescent Treatment Center and the uh, CAPSU, the the Adolescent Psych Unit in Surrey. Yeah, you um, just
0: jumped into it. Wow.
1: Yeah, right. I just yeah, I just go And I will say honestly, the Maples is the best place for a person out of school for training grounds. They do a really good a job at giving you intensive training and then they just throw you into their multiple programs as an auxiliary best learning ground ever huge learning curve but really good um so yeah so i was uh working on call between those two places for a few years and then i found pcrs and i jumped into uh this agency uh with their quick response program which was short-term stable and as stabilization and assessment for youth struggling with extreme mental health and behavior stuff. And then I found our addictions program. Um, So that was 21 years ago. So 21 years ago, I came into Astra um, and I have been the youth outreach addictions counselor for 20 years. I have worked in the majority of our geographical areas. And for the last couple of years, I've been in the team lead position. So the bottom line is I had no plan to end up in substance use services, um, but this ended up being where I landed and it has been a great fit, fit and a wonderful journey.
0: So, I mean, and kind of going from there, I mean, we can get right into the, the topic, the meat of it all. How has the opioid crisis impacted your work?
1: The opiate crisis has made our work so much harder. 10 years ago, I would have never considered putting a youth on OAT treatment, which stands for opiate agonist treatment, such as methadone or Suboxone. It just didn't happen. Even if we had a youth using heroin or opiates, it was few and far between, and we could usually support them through regular channels of support. Now, however, we are advocating for youth-friendly oat services in our communities because so many people are becoming addicted to opiates through indirect or direct use. When opiates first started showing up in the youth community as oxys, um, they made you more social and chatty, and they took away inhibitions, so this appealed to some youth, and they became more physically dependent on the drug. Their bodies just simply crave the opiate, and now they're taking it just not to feel dope sick or withdrawal. There's no fun in it anymore for them. It's merely to numb the pain, the actual physical pain. Withdrawing off of an opiate feels like you're being run over by a bus multiple times for hours and hours and hours. So we are looking now for more OAT supports to help youth overcome these withdrawal symptoms so they can look and focus on overcoming their addiction. Yeah.
0: So it, like really an, an escalation and just kind of seeing it once it was within our community, it just kind of stuck and, and clung on there. It sounds
1: Mass- like. massively. And right now, like most youth are not choosing to start using opiates, but the, the drug supply is so contaminated with them um, that they really don't have a choice. At this point, we've asked clients just in the last two weeks because the, the drug alerts have been coming back. We're like, you're a social recreational user. Can you please just stay away from powders and pills right now? Right. Really? Like if you're using them, you're choosing to really risk your life and, and die from this. So as a, as a social or recreational user, we're asking youth to please say no. And for the youth who are more dependent on these substances, we're looking at putting together different safety plans um, to help them manage and not overdose and not die.
0: So with that, would there be resources and recommendations you had for caregivers to give them some more informed, like information to have conversations and support their young people in an educated way?
1: For sure. And I'm going to probably say this multiple times throughout here. Parents, caregivers, please talk to a substance use professional before you have the conversations with youth it will make it easier for you and easier for them and a million percent more productive because it takes away we will do our best to take away the judgment and the blame in the conversation um and the parents and the kids have been living this and they've been living it to get this for a long time and so those emotions are running hot and high yeah. um I would definitely like to say there are lots of local substance use services um, in each of the communities. Specific to Maple Ridge, we encourage supports to go through our partner agencies, Foundry, Alouette Addictions, or call and talk with one of our Astra counselors. Um, Then there's virtual support groups like Parents Together that are open to any parents to go to, Share Family Services in Coquitlam, uh, Parents Together at Odyssey and Burnaby, And there's also a lot of information on the internet, CAMH, NIDA, like look at the Canadian websites, look at the resources. Um, And again, it's super important to stress and try to remember to talk with a professional before engaging with your youth. We can make the process easier and kinder for everyone involved.
0: Yeah, so there's going to be links that I'll post to a lot of the places that we talk about as many as I can wrangle together. So if you're listening to this, go into the info sections or the the description sections of wherever you're listening to the podcast, and there should be a a selection of links there that can get you started on uh, looking into some of these different resource places and just informational hubs that you might find on the internet. Um, So in talking about the relationship between youth substance use and their parents, how can parents feel secure balancing the boundaries that they have about their youth's health uh, and health outcomes while also supporting the young person? Yeah,
1: This is a really hard answer. Every parent and every family dynamic is different. Um, It's easy to conceptualize, but it's hard to put into practice. We don't want to enable or support substance misuse, and we need our kids to know that they're still loved and worth fighting for. So a good example of this that I have a lot of parents ask questions about is, do I give my kids money? I'm like, youth need money to engage in normal day-to-day activities. We need to continue to give our youth opportunities to earn money so they can do what kids do. And sometimes that might include pitching in together to you know, to get a 12-pack of beer or, or a bag of weed to share. Um, this is normal for youth to challenge boundaries and experiment a bit. However, we do not want them using that money to buy substances, but we know if we don't give youth the money, they will turn to other alternatives of making money that could exploit them or put them at even more of a risk. Um, an example is the girl at a party getting free drugs, you know, for this weekend, that weekend, next weekend. And all of a sudden, two months later, these people, guys, men, women are coming back and going, you owe us this. We partying's not free. And now we want you to do X, Y, and Z which are not pretty, even worse, and even more terrible. I'll let you guys fill in the blanks. Another example that we have is kicking your kids out. If your kids can't come home, the negative pulls at them will never stop. We encourage parents to lock up their important items at home as we know youth with addiction issues may steal to meet their needs no matter how much you love them or they love you. It's an impulse that they can't really control. When you kick your kid out, then this is also sending the message that you're done with them and that you don't care. We suggest trying to set boundaries like a curfew. If they can't make it for whatever the reasons, if there's a garage, maybe we can leave a pillow and a blanket in the garage so they can at least come home that night and, until tomorrow when we can have more conversations and maybe try and get supports in place. Tough love does not work. It sends the message that it's all the youth's fault and that they have made poor choices. And I'm also gonna add in here, interventions don't work. They send the same message. Please do not reach out to an interventionist. Reach out to a substance use support counselor. We operate very differently. They might be making poor choices getting into substance misuse, and now it's not really a choice, it's an addiction. And we really need to remember their teenage brains don't work like adult brains. Impulse control is a major issue for young people on any given day. Parents always say, what were you thinking? The answer is that they weren't. Their brain is not developed and they have messed it up even with using substances, their development. The really good news, though, is that most, most youth can recover from the adverse side effects of use and it can be okay.
0: And I'm sure that's really reassuring for parents, right? Because I think from that parent lens really is like, you know, I've I've been, you know, your age before, and then life continues on past a lot of the choices that that you might make, right? And I think the parent mindset is thinking long term of like, how's this going to set you up for five, 10 years, maybe we're not going to be, you know, as easily accessible for you to to help support you, right? Like a lot of those, you know bigger lifelong choices are are probably being contemplated by only one half of the equation here.
1: Yeah. So really, you taking your kid for sushi lunch or going for a pedicure, you spending one-to-one time with them is not enabling their substance use. And taking away your interactions with your kid is not a good consequence because you're taking away any positive pull and connection. Parents and teens have a hard enough time staying connected over these years. So we need to be able to do the fun things on top of the problematic stuff that's going on to maintain those connections.
0: Now, uh, what about social media and substance use?
1: Social media influence on substance use. Oh, it's been insane. (laughs) It really has been insane. Social media, whether we like it or not, is a core component of the youth's life nowadays and are creating new, more difficult challenges for the youth, maybe even an almost impossible battle to win. Drugs are delivered everywhere and are offered even free by drug drug dealers trying to gain more customers. How do we compete with text messages offering you a free half a gram of cocaine or a quarter of weed or some pharmaceutical pills for free? One of the best things that we can do is prevention and early intervention. We need to try and teach kids about the risks and dangers before they start experimenting or socially using and connect them with a substance use counselor who can support them in making healthier decisions related to their substance use. The next best thing is early intervention, educating young people and supporting youth who have gotten into trouble with substance use to overcome their misuse and support them to get back on track. Social media has made unrealistic expectations on youth and social media and regular media encourages substance use to have a good time. Look at all the beer drinking commercials and the ads that indicate that the only way to have a good time is by using alcohol or other substances. There really are not enough positive influence on social media to discourage young people from using. We could be talking about a body image and photo editing, a youth could start to want to lose weight and end up using substances to get the desired result and a dependency on drugs to maintain it. On a positive side, We can also take advantage of the tech and social media to outreach to young people to engage with those that might not be willing to meet face to face. We need to think about ways in which we can potentially counter culture on social media, providing an alternative message to young people and engaging them in their new space, which is online. It's unexplored territory, but it is a social resource, and I would love to see expanded outreach to young people. Sure. Look at us, even now, using podcasts to try and get the information out to the masses.
0: Yeah, that's very true. I think. I think overall, I have noticed. I'll speak to to my experience with that. I, you know, a lot of social services and things are really trying to make better use of social media, and I think that overall, a little bit later to the game than I think, like kind of what you had said, a lot of the 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 issues are are were right there on the internet from the start you can buy pills you can get them delivered you can have all these messaging that says that this is how you have a good time it was already there in place way before a lot of these services adopted using them to meet youth where they were at so it's a little bit of catch up uh, I feel like with where we're currently at using technology but it is starting to develop in in really positive ways from what i've seen
1: well, and like, look at us right now, here I am the older generation person who is not the techie and whatnot. And here I am doing my first podcast and thank God we have younger generations like you who are on top of this to be able to merge us together so we can collaborate and get information out there.
0: Yeah. yeah and it, it all adds up even just a, even just a podcast here or there, as long as somebody listens and it makes an impact for them, that's what it's for. Right? Um So even speaking of just a few, maybe we could talk a little bit around numbers, uh, around youth overdose deaths in the past year or two compared to previous decades. And this is an especially hard conversation topic in our community.
1: It is very hard and it's very sad and it breaks my heart. Unfortunately, there's no good news on this front. And at the moment, it's something that we're very, 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 very concerned about. We have lost more youth in the last 18 months to overdoses than we have in 20 years. I can give example of some stats from Maple Ridge and Pitt Meadows, but they're not just youth numbers. So for example, in 2012, we had five overdose deaths. In 2022, we've had 28. Astra has lost more clients in the last 18 months than in 22 years that I've been with Astra. And it's not that we're doing anything less effective. Unfortunately, with the increase in prevalence of illicit drugs, it has made it even more challenging and harder for us. There's just more fentanyl on the streets now, and it's being mixed with so many other drugs and therefore putting our youth at more risk of overdosing. It's really heartbreaking, and our hearts go out to the families and friends of the communities that are suffering these losses. It's just sad. I just I met with a girl last week. She's going to her 7th funeral in 3 months.
0: Like at this point you I think it's almost impossible that you wouldn't know somebody who knows somebody that's passed yeah. away from an overdose, right?
1: Connor, with, I'm going to say somebody knows somebody directly. Like yeah. we're even past that one more step. It's 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 direct and it's immediate. And there are so many families out there that are hurting that didn't need to have to go through this.
0: Yeah. And possibly kind of using that as a bridge to kind of jump off to how would you explain to people the different levels of intensity regarding substance use? When does it start to get into ranges that you consider, you know, highly risk taking and, and very dangerous compared to like just some maybe starting off recreationally and stuff like that? How do you have those conversations with the youth who come to see you for counseling and stuff?
1: Yeah. So it's really important to meet them where they're at. It's a linear progression from experimentation to recreation to full-blown problematic addiction. Youth are using substances usually for a reason. It's giving them something that they weren't getting from somewhere else. So for example, with mental health and anxiety, a lot of teenagers will use pot to cope. It works for them in the moment. It helps, but eventually pot stops working for them and then their anxiety is way worse and they don't have anything else to turn to. When we start working for a youth, we will help them see the benefits and consequences of using their substances and to help them see how it could stop working for them, the more negative things that can happen and and support them in starting and following through with some change. Anywhere from harm reduction, using less, not mixing so much, to not using and developing healthier coping tools to manage life when it's hard. This is where the motivational interviewing really comes in. It helps the youth identify alternatives for themselves, empowering them to make more positive life choices. Most of the kids that Astra seen before the opiate crisis were just kids whose partying got a little out of hand and we were able to meet and spend some sessions together, regroup and balance out their life areas. For the youth who are using substances to cope, it becomes a little bit harder because they become dependent on those. So what we try and do is offer them other coping skills to manage whatever mental health stuff that they've going on. Astro really would like if kids are going to use substances, we want them to use them for the sake of using the substance. I want to smoke pot so I can be stoned and giggly with my friends and play some video games and have a good time not because I don't want to feel this, or I'm avoiding trying to do this, or I can't do this. Make sense?
0: Yeah, I mean, and that lines up, you know, pretty well with my own lived experience as a peer support worker, I always try and bring my genuine experience to, you know, any facets that I'm, I'm talking about, if it would help somebody. And honestly, that that lines up pretty closely with my experience being in that late teenage years, high school is starting to come to a close, there's a lot of things that are stacking up that, you know, are are coming up that you have to start thinking about, have to start doing. And it becomes easier to, to load up, you know, however you're going to smoke meat or whatever, then really put in, because it is difficult to put in a lot of the time effort to develop those coping strategies, those tools that you can effectively use during your, you know, the, the facets of your life that become difficult and, and overwhelming for you, for sure. And I think that, yeah, it, it, having that support, you can go to a, a counselor that specializes in this and and get some of those tools from them for people that will holistically take in the understanding that, yeah, you've been using weed to, to to cope with whatever you're feeling like. It's a hard transition when you feel like you have a tool and then somebody says, hey, no, try this instead. You're like, well, I've been doing this and this is getting me through it. So why am I doing something else? You know? Yeah, so I, I can just understand that it, it is a difficult position that I find that you guys are, are in when you're having those conversations. Because a lot of times youth are going in like, why why am I needing to change this? This is the thing that's keeping me afloat, you know?
1: Definitely. Yeah. And that's why we love to have those conversations with youth.
0: So what would support and treatment options uh, look like depending on the different levels of care that they're at? What are good fits if there uh, are ones that are specific to different steps of care?
1: Okay. Okay. So we would like to educate non-users about the benefits and risks of engaging with substance use, right? Like we're not just going to be like, drugs are bad, don't do this. We want to let you know what people get out of them and what the consequences and the risks short-term and long-term are of that of those choices. We would like to engage with recreational and social users to help navigate use and reduce the risks involved with misuse. We want to increase their healthy decision-making related to substance use. One of the lines that Astra has caught is we want to help maximize your fun and minimize your risk. Who says no to that?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty good line.
1: Right. For youth using to manage mental health trauma or any other issue, we would like to support them to develop greater resiliency to increase their ability to manage their issues without substance use. If youth are going to use substances, we want them to do so in a safe manner and to have fun, not to manage their anxiety, depression or other challenges, as this will more likely lead to dependent use. We want to connect these youth with the tools they need to navigate barriers without using substances. We would support active users in whatever goals they would like to start with, hoping the end goal is non-use or non-problematic use. It's important to stress and to remember to talk with a professional before engaging in conversations with your youth. We, again, we can make this process easier and kinder for everyone involved.
0: Yeah, get get some support, right? I mean, it's be a difficult thing to wrap your head around if I'm going to go if I'm like a, a parent or maybe it's just a youth coming to see you why is going to talk with somebody actually going to change anything right but I don't know I think of it like when when you're going to the the gym you know it's January as we're recording this right now people have a lot of goals of you know losing weight or working out be, being more fit whatever it is. Um, it's a lot easier to do that when you have a personal trainer helping you. And when you think about it, they're not actually helping you lift weights. They're not making any part of that easier. They're just supporting you through it. But it is easier. There's people have way better outcomes when they exercise with support versus not. And it's the same.
1: Your supports help keep you focused. You're absolutely right. Whether it's working out at the gym, whether it's going to drug and alcohol counseling. Absolutely. Making any change is always easier when you have a cheer team behind you.
0: And it's especially difficult, I find, with a lot of substances because they can tend to lead people down very isolated paths once they start becoming dependent users and and stuff like that, right? It becomes a very singular experience.
1: Yeah.
0: um, And it makes it all the the better to have that support, right?
1: Definitely, definitely. Um, Parents also need to understand if your youth has a drug and alcohol counselor, that is a good thing. You probably had no idea the extent of what their partying was actually looking like. <laughs> so, with us being involved, it's not necessarily to say there's a big problem here. A lot of the time, we like to get in there before it's super problematic so we can balance out those life areas so teenagers can do what they need to do while they're having a good time doing what they want to do.
0: All right. Well, thanks for coming on to talk with me, Charlotte, about some of the substance use and and some of the different pathways that people have towards addressing it uh, when when they feel like they're they're ready to do so. Um, and I think it's just ever more important to get those messages out into our community and let people know where where they can, I guess, access them. How would somebody come in if they if they want to get started? At the end of this podcast, I'd really like once again to encourage anybody listening, please check out the links in the description uh, or the info section of this podcast to brush up on any of the local resources for the Maple Ridge, Pit Meadows, and Tri-Cities-based social services around use.